Does God know what it's like to be you in your darkest hour? Uh, and kids, some of you are, are with us and listening today. Does God know what it's like to be uh, even a, a, a kid, a child? There's a, a biblical scholar, F.D. Bruner, Frederick Dale Bruner. Um, he wrote a bit uh, where he talks about, he wrote, wrote about the story we're going to talk about today. Uh, and in this story that we're going to talk about today, he asked this question. What if God was a fugitive, a refugee, or a wanted man? The story we're going to look at today shows Jesus on the run as a child. Have you ever had to hide or, or run away from someone who wanted to do you harm? Some of you probably have, and, and you can even feel right now in this moment what that's like. Um, some of you might not know that physically, um, but perhaps emotionally or spiritually, where there have been times when you have felt danger, uh, felt like you weren't safe and you had to run and you had to hide. Um, Maybe at times we, we've run from things where we've been innocent people fleeing, uh, Jesus' case today, but maybe we've had times when we've, we've done something wrong and we had to flee, or maybe a mix of both. Um, if we could all get together and sit down and share some of our stories, we would probably each have a unique story to tell about some uh, real difficult moments in life where we felt like we had to withdraw and hide. Um, if we all took the time to get to know each other, we'll, we'd probably each have our own unique, dark moments. And... As we think about God, though, does, does he have any clue what it feels like to be human and hurting? So the scene we're going to look at is it's a difficult moment in Jesus' life, and I believe it has something good to teach all of us about life, about God, and our, ourselves. So the story we're going to look at is in Matthew, uh, or Luke, Matthew 2. It's at the end of the Christmas story, right? So we have four to five pages on the birth of Jesus in the Gospels. Then we have two to four paragraphs on Jesus from eight days old to a few years. Then there's one story of 12-year-old Jesus, which we're actually going to look at uh, next week. And then the rest of the Gospels are his adult life, or 30 to 33-year-old Jesus. Uh, so Jesus is born. The wise men come looking for him. They go to King Herod to ask about where to find the Messiah, the special king. Herod is enraged. He wants Jesus dead he tells the wise men to tell him when they find Jesus. Now, the wise men don't do this. Uh, Herod is enraged more. He sends soldiers to kill all the boys in Bethlehem two years and under. This is an awful, terrible tragedy that's part of the Christmas story. And I appreciate the Bible and the gospel so much because it does not sanitize things. Uh, this is the real life Jesus was born into. And we can paint a beautiful picture in the Christmas season about the night Christ is born, and we, and we should. There is beauty, and there is peace, and there is joy, and there is hope. Uh, but Jesus is also entering into a world of pain where, where people want him dead and, and will kill others over that, and innocents will be killed. So we pick up in verse 13. Now, after the wise men had left, a messenger appears to Joseph in a dream and says, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod's about to search for the child to destroy him. And then Joseph gets up. He takes the child and his mother by night and he goes to Egypt. And Joseph and Mary and Jesus remain there until the death of Herod. So imagine this scene. Put yourself in it. Uh, someone shows up and says, get up, go now, danger. And in the middle of the night, you pack up and you run and you're grabbing your kids or your parents are grabbing you and, and you're running into the middle of the night to a, to a new land. 
to, to save yourself from this evil king. And in verse 19, it says, when Herod, after Herod dies, a messenger appears again in a dream to Joseph and says, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. So Joseph uh, gets up again. He takes the child and his mother and they go to the land of Israel. But then they hear that Archelaus uh, is ruling over Judea, the land they went to, in place of his father, Herod. This is the Bethlehem land in Jerusalem land. And, and so Joseph's afraid to go there. So uh, he's warned in another dream, and then he goes away to the district of Galilee, which is in the northern area. And there he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He'll be called a Nazarene. And then that's how we end up 30 years later with Jesus of, of Nazareth. So this scene today, it, it doesn't at first seem like it has a lot of interesting material, um, like the, the powerful Christmas stories. This, this, why do they include this, right? A family's on the run and we sort of get Joseph and Mary's moving plans and they, they run to Egypt. Then they're gonna move back to Judea, which is in the Southern and more holy area, close to the hot spot of, of their religion. They're nervous that Herod's son might also be out to get them. So then they move even farther away toward the, the, the northern kind of smaller area of Galilee. They don't end up in the city near all the action, but they end up sort of in what we might call uh, the sticks. Um, and, and actually a more Gentile land than, than the more Jewish land of, of, of um, Jerusalem and, and Bethlehem. So, so we learn at Christmas that Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us. So think about this story from the perspective of God going through this ordeal. This is real human pain and fear, right? You have to flee in the middle of the night. You have to be in a foreign place for a few years. You move again back to where you are, but you never really come back, right? You still feel unsafe, so you have to move again. This is a family making four big moves with a baby or a toddler in a few years. And they have to kind of be scared and anxious the whole time. In our modern world, we would understand this to be experiences that lead to, or that, that often could lead to severe trauma. God is experiencing childhood danger, fear, and traumatic experiences. This story makes it plain that yes, God is with us, but God is also a human being who is with us. We hear, yes, Emmanuel is coming, and yes, Jesus is coming. And those names are, are used several times in, in the Christmas narratives in Matthew and Luke. But in Matthew, Jesus is called the child nine times. The child, the child, the child. Matthew's showing his readers something. He's showing his listeners something. This Jesus is fully God, and that's what we confess as Christians. But this is not Zeus popping in or pretending to be a human like the Greek or Roman myths. He's not a Marvel superhero with these unlimited powers and, and can avoid all the problems of regular humans or a Jedi. He's not like Superman. Superman comes and doesn't know what it's like to be us. He pretends to be a human, but he has all this unlimited power. And we, we love those, I mean, our society loves Superman and Marvel and Jedis, right? Because we wanna be more than human to solve our problems and to solve the world's problems. We wanna be the Avengers. In this story, we see God going in the opposite direction. He becomes fully, fully human. So much so that these are the words the early church used to describe Jesus. 
And what I'm about to read, many people think is one of the first Christian hymns or a poem for every uh, follower of Jesus to remember. This is in Philippians 2, and Paul writes this. He says, Jesus, though in God's form, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself, received the form of a slave, being born in the likeness of humans, having human appearance, he humbled himself, and he became obedient. So it means he's learning and obeying, even to the point of death. Yes, even death on a cross. And it's only then that God exalts him and gives him the name that's above every name. The early church, as they were following Jesus, they come to believe that Jesus is this God worthy of worship. But also the God they were following was really flesh and blood. And he knew the worst of what it means to be human. This story just opens that up for us, blinds us with it. This is a full human, Matthew saying. He's got a mom and a dad. He's born in a messy world where he has to flee persecution. Um, there's a, a great Rich Mullins song that, that gets at an aspect of Jesus that we don't always hear in our, our church songs. It's called, You Did Not Have a Home. And I think of this story when I hear this song. Uh, the lyrics go, oh, you did not have a home. There were places you visited frequently you took off your shoes, you scratched your feet, but you did not have a home. Birds have nests, foxes have dens, but the hope of the whole world rests on the shoulders of a homeless man. You had the shoulders of a homeless man. The early church began to believe that, that yes, all of the hopes of the world rest on this Jesus who as a child is fleeing and as an adult never quite is, even has a home. Jesus knows every ounce of human vulnerability and limitations. He chooses them for himself. If you feel like you're on the run, we're scared or weak or vulnerable, Jesus knows what that is like. That means God knows what that is like. If you suffer physical limitations, if you need to be helped just to get around the child, Christ knows that too. If you experience suffering and emotional and spiritual turmoil, Christ knows that too. He's a human who is one of us. He suffers. I think one of the hardest things in life is to feel like you're going through something that no one else can understand. And I think we all didn't get that at some point in life. Like, oh, no one knows what I'm going through. But one of the most powerful things in life is to connect or be with someone who knows what you are going through. And part of the hope of this Christmas story and the hope of Jesus is that Emmanuel knows what you are going through because he knows what it is to be human. I want to end with one quote that I found to be really powerful for me during the whole Christmas season and that I, I want to keep with me as we move into the new year. And this is from uh, uh, Fleming Rutledge. She says this, To be a Christian is to live every day of our lives in solidarity with those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death but to live in the unshakable hope of those who expect the dawn. I want us to see two things in this quote. First, this is what Jesus chooses to do for every single one of us. He chooses to be with humans who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. He chooses suffering, hurt, 
weakness, limitations, having to be on the run, having to be a refugee, having to be scared. He does all of this to bring hope to humanity. He does all of this ultimately to bring the dawn, to be a light that shines in the darkness. He does all of this. He goes all the way to death for humanity to fight the darkness and death and hell and sin that so many humans live in. And he overcomes them. He rises on Easter morning. And that's the hope of Jesus. This hope that the suffering and pain and hurt, Jesus knows it. And as he lives it, it leads to new life and healing and restoration. And as we follow him and take up our cross, we find that hope and that light too. Jesus knows you in your darkest moments. If you're sitting in darkness and feel alone, know that he knows that, that he is with you, and that he has a light and a hope that the darkness can overcome. Second, if this Jesus is good for you, then your job in life is to be with other people in those dark places and to sit with them with a calm but persistent hope that the light of Christ will break 